This is CounselCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. Hi, I'm Ben Holland. I'm here to chat with Karen today, and I'm looking forward to it. It's nice for everybody to join us. I am a former marketer of the year in the Phoenix market. I'm an entrepreneur. I started a pest control company about 15, 16 years ago called Scorpion Sweepers, and we've been really lucky to have a large client base in Phoenix and have a lot of national publicity, most notably the front page of New York Times. And last year, we were on Dirty Jobs. So I've got a lot of experience in the agencies in, in Phoenix and throughout the United States, but now I'm working for a company called Satric Solutions. I'm the vice president of marketing there, and we do a lot about a voice of customer and voice of employee. Ben, thank you so much for being here. The reason that I thought this would be a great episode and I wanted to chat with you is number one, I always look for the opportunity to talk to the marketer of the year. Like that's, <laughs> you know, that's a fun thing to be able to say. But you have this cool company, Satrix, which at first I was pronouncing Satrix, but it's Satisfaction Metrics. And so we are going to talk about not just how to do the marketing, but how to make it work so that you get this engagement and it actually resonates and it's doing it's you're not just throwing it out into this black hole so the question and the topic that we're going to talk actually it's not a question this week it's the topic for the show is immediate actions for noticeable results so we're also going to talk about how those actions can be actually functional and you get the results that you're looking for so you're not just doing an action you're getting a result so Thank you for that long intro. Thank you for your patience during that long intro. But I think that's really important for people to understand. Like there's there's an extra layer here that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so let's first talk about, let's talk about Marketer of the Year. <laughs> how did that happen? And what were you doing? And, and how does that, that work? How does that kind of award? Was it based on a specific project? Or, or what, what is that? Yeah, so it's through the American Marketing Association and the various chapters throughout the United States. I believe there's about 60 of them holding the award show. And the Marketer of the Year is, you know, the highest honor usually given at these shows. So I was extremely flattered and, and surprised to, to win at the point in time. And it was a nice little, I guess, feather in my cap. I, I recently moved to Connecticut and I was wrapping up all the things I did in, in Arizona. I had my business for 15 years and I, I closed that down. And then I, I was working for a lender called OnQ Financial, where that was where most of my work was, you know, where the nomination came from, but I also had wrapped up some time on my boards. I was on the Ad Club board, the American Marketing Association, and then also Azima for about five years each. So I kind of wrapped all that stuff up, put it into the nomination, and you know I was lucky enough to win with a lot of competition. Phoenix is the sixth biggest market, and there's a lot of great agencies out there. So I was really flattered to win it, and you know it gave me a nice little swan song as I exited the market. So what are they looking for when you say that you submitted the, you had a nomination, are you, are they looking at metrics and kind of how campaigns performed or what, what is it that they're looking at? Is it really pretty or, you know, what's the kind of results that got you to that that level. Yeah. So it's not really apples to apples against everybody. There's lots of different ways to market. There's lots of list different approaches and levels. So it, it's kind of the breadth of your portfolio for that year is what they look at. So when I was there, I had really great success at OnQ Financial. I was able to increase the organic traffic about 800% in a year. And then uh, the leads, you know, quadrupled 
quintupled and then whatever, six x by the time I left. And we were making a, a multi-million dollars for the company every single month from the leads driven through the internet, most notably organic. So that, that was really exciting. That's kind of what drove us there. We also won a couple other awards that year for our, our, we had this integration program. It was like the diversity award where we were trying to be open to all sorts of different languages. So we we're creating content in multiple languages and we won an award for that. So we were really trying to help target different audiences, especially Hispanic people in Phoenix. That was a, a really t- nut to crack because, you know, they speak a different language. It's a little bit different than where they're from. And oftentimes it's a big family decision and they want to have a lot of people in there. So. So we kind of, you know, tailored our marketing efforts for that with this campaign and it worked really well. It resonated and, you know, we won a couple of awards for it, but that's most of it. And my pest control company also got that big media hit on nature's mysteries solved. So I was out there catching scorpions at night with somebody from the animal planet and that got put up there right before our nomination. So that kind of helped. It's always nice when you can be on national TV. Yeah, that helps quite a bit. Okay, so let's transition from Marketer of the Year, and I feel like I have a good segue. So how how did you, okay, so the, the topic and this big question and, and everything we're looking to answer is how to get some of those immediate actions. So what? how did you do that within your own marketing campaigns? If you're doing, you know, 800% growth and getting all of those numbers that are just like shooting through all the charts and everything everybody wants to see, Were there some specific things you can point to that are kind of this this topic, these immediate result things that you started with? Yeah, absolutely. I, I had a very digital campaign going on. You know, we did some traditional, but, you know, not as much invested into it. So the first thing you can do to get leads right away is create up a really low cost targeted campaign on ads, Google ads, PPC, you know, like, you know, your audience is a lot of attorneys, they might be rolling your eyes thinking, oh, man, car accident attorney is going to cost me $800 a click. And you know, it might those that convert might be worth it. But you might want to go after longer tail terms that don't cost as much that people look into prior I'm making that, you know, that short tail, low funnel term, bottom of the funnel term. So that's what you want to do. You want to add, pick some terms, pick some pages. You think, hey, this resonates. This page already converts a little bit. Let's toss some ads at it, right? You do that. You put it in the background. You check it every week or so and make sure it's doing good and you're not bidding on like really bad words and negative keyworded out. So that's the first thing you can do. Um, on cue, I got really lucky because somebody had gone in there and messed with the code and it had actually blocked like a very large portion of our site to- Oh my um, gosh. To Google, yeah. They were so like that's non- an easy fix. Actually, well, it's I, hard. I, I didn't, I didn't realize I had to go in there and hand, like, I had to go into the, like the PHP files and edit this thing out. But it fixed it, and we got like fifteen percent more traffic overnight, which was phenomenal. I, that is a really important and great point to make. Is that before you even start any marketing campaign, you need to take a step back and audit where everything's at and f- find any potential issues that are there that need to be fixed before you start. Because think about how much of a waste that would be if you hadn't caught that and you were dumping all this money into a campaign and a bunch of your website was blocked. Yeah, it was all of our uh, it was all of our lenders. It was our branches that weren't showing up. So imagine if you're searching for a branch like in Scottsdale and doesn't show up. So it was a big problem. And I, I fixed it. But that, I think technical SEO problems, technical website problems often have a, a large effect on your user experience and also your rankings. And they're very difficult to find. Like this one took me a few months to figure out. I was banging my head on the wall for a while, but it, it figured out and the results were immediate. And you're not going to get a lot of that immediacy from especially organic traffic from a technical fix, but you want to make sure your site is sound and nothing's wrong with it. What I like to say, I like to compare your website to a car and I want to, I like to say you want to make sure your wheels are on right, it's full of gas and the engine is all taken care of before you turn it on and go. And that's kind of what 
you do with like an SEO audit and just make sure your site's, you know, doing everything right. Check Google Search Console, you know, constantly to make sure you're not getting any errors. That's a good tip right away. Just fix any of that stuff. The other reason I like to start there too is because then you have a baseline. You know, if you've got all your measurements, you've got all your performance reviews, you should be auditing a handful of things, your performance, your security, you know, all the different levels, how your content is performing right now and have all these reports so that you can, you have a place to compare because how do you know what's happening if you don't know, you know, where it was before? So yeah, you need the baseline. Exactly. It's, it seems really basic, but it's sort of like going to an amusement park with kids. Like you, they all want to run and get to the front of the line. Well, you know, you got to wait in line. You got to do the right things. That's probably not the best analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But you know, you have to kind of get it set up right. Otherwise you're also risking your overall performance on whatever campaign you're about to do. Okay. So, so So check out, do all your audits, check everything out, make sure everything's healthy, running well and performing. And then you started by saying, you know, do some good, like basic PPC campaigns just to get a sense of the market, where there's potentials, potential options and things like that. But how do you get, how did you really get get the momentum that you eventually got where the ground was really running you were getting those numbers the you know things were really starting to work so we had a lot of i came into a pretty good situation they had a blog that had been active for quite some time so i was able to go into some of the pages that were getting a little bit of traffic right so this is a great tip to get going if you do if you are lucky enough to have traffic find the pages that are already getting it and then amplify them make them bigger make them better add more content to them and so we did that i added some schema to it and that really helped us show up in the the answer boxes you know when you google like how old russell crowe and then his age shows up Right. So those answer box results, they're called featured snippets. So that's what we really shined in. We were showing up in featured snippets for questions that people were asking in the buying process. You know, where are the top 10 cities to buy a home in Florida? You know, would be a great example. And we were in the answer box. So that drove tons and tons and tons of traffic. So that's what I like to target because you can jump the line. You don't have to be number one to get in the answer box. You just have to be in the top 10. So you might not have enough authority or expertise to be number one in an organic term. But if you're number nine and your content answers that query the best, they'll throw you up in that featured snippet. And that's where we really shined. And that's where we drove a ton of qualified traffic. And then also we made a, a new content, right? So the next thing you can do, which isn't as fast as pay ads, is right creating SEO content or just content marketing in general, because content is for SEO regardless. And uh, what we did is we, we discovered our personas. We had realtors, we had home buyers, we had lenders that wanted to come work with us, right? You know, potential employees. And then we had some wholesale stuff, but I won't talk about that. So we looked into what people were searching for. We used Google Analytics to see what people were typing into the search, what questions do they have, you know, answer the public core. You can find all sorts of questions people ask when buying a home. And we took all these questions and we put them into like a seven step process, which is like chapters in a book on our website. Unfortunately, it's no longer active if you're trying to click through here and look at it. But we walked our consumers through like the steps in very great detail. Again, with our headings targeting these queries and trying to show up in the answer box. And what was really great about that was people that engaged with that specific piece of content converted 
three times more than people who did not, right? So if I could get them into this content funnel, they were way more apt to convert. They were on the site much longer. So we're trying to catch fish with our blog posts and then push them into this content funnel for their specific persona. And it worked really, really well, but that's not really, that's a quick fix. You know what you need to do, but writing that content, it was like 30,000 words and it has to be expert level. It's gotta be stuff people are gonna read and learn from, not just regurgitating what everybody else is saying. But that really helped us out a lot. And that's that was kind of the key to the, the profit, right? The ROI on our whole investment was was that content funnel and getting people in there. And then, of course, our converting form was great. Um, and we played with that. That's another quick tip. You know, if you're not converting, make sure your forms are working right. There's no errors. Easy to use, right? Your website has good UX. Yeah, we ha- I, we've inherited so many sites where that alone was the, the problem is it's all there, it's all ready, and there was just a problem with the form itself. So, you know, when we have maintenance clients, we have a whole maintenance plan, that's the thing that we are checking every single month to make sure that that form is functional and working and being sent to the right place. So that is a super easy thing that you can check and make sure, but it's also a huge problem if people are trying to send in messages and the form is not working. Like that's that's kind of an embarrassing uh, thing that you should definitely be making sure of, you know, every single month making making sure that either you or someone is is double checking that that form functionality. Especially as websites are oftentimes the first experience somebody has with your brand or your organization or your company, and you don't want them to have a failure immediately. They don't want them to try to get into contact with you ready with their wallet out handing you money and then saying, oh, sorry, form didn't submit, contact administrator, you know? They're not going to, they're going to think, hey, man, how is this person going to, you know, help my case out if they can't even get my phone number? So they just cast a little bit of doubt, which you don't want in a competitive market. You want to have all your T's crossed and I's dotted. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great point. It just, it's, it's such a bad first impression all the way around. Yeah, it's like when you walk into a restaurant and you, like the corners are a little bit dirty and you think, what does that kitchen look like? <laughs> like yeah. running up the wall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, so gross. Okay, all right. So what other things, you're talking a lot about online. You did mention some offline marketing activities, but you said that was kind of a a lower priority for when you were first getting everything up and running. Were there some offline marketing activities that you were doing kind of at at a smaller scale? Yeah. So word of mouth is a really great way to, you know, build your client base. It's often, especially in the, in the legal field, the best way to get it, but they're few and hard to come by. So what you want to do is encourage your current, you know, I don't know what you call them, referral sources, right? Or your clients to, you know, leave reviews for you online, right? So they're leaving you Google reviews because that helps you open. When they do that, if they say yes, you'll be like, hey, do you know three, four other people? that you could, you know, introduce me to, or if something comes up, not everybody needs an attorney all the time, but when somebody needs one for what you, you specifically do, they, you want the, your name to come up, right? So it's, it's just building that awareness and people trust referrals much more than anything else. It's the number one way to get somebody. So I think building that up and emailing your, your current and past clients is a great way to stay top of mind, having them on some sort of newsletter and giving them something they care about, right? Like how to save $5 on your phone bill instead of like, this is the new law or something, something catchy that they'll actually read and engage and remember. But building that client base, treating them right. And if you need, you know, if you need to figure out which, I don't have time to hit up all of my clients, all of my my 
referrals, which ones are the best? You can do something like an NPS survey where you send out to your, your client base, you know, how likely are you to recommend me to a friend or family? Everybody sees it. It's everywhere, but it's extremely useful because anybody who gives you a nine or 10, you know, they'll probably give me a referral and I can email them personally first. That's what I did with my Scorpion Sweeper businesses. I knew my clients that were best and I would email them and be like, hey, this is great. I know you have Scorpions. Your neighbors probably have Scorpions. I'd love to help you out by helping them out because they're not going to climb over the wall to your property if they're gone there, you know, so give them a good reason to refer you that makes sense and make it easy. So I would always give them like a flyer on the door when I left, say hand to your neighbors, you know, make it easy, make it simple and give them a reason so they can feel good giving it to their neighbor and like they're doing them a favor. Yeah. I'm going to do a little jump to, you mentioned earlier about your blog posts and the content and kind of the tone of your content. And I wanted to come back to that because this is a conversation I have almost every day with my attorneys. And that is the tone and voice of the content. And I know that attorneys have spent years and years and years developing a, a way to write. And that is a legal way to, you know, it is legal language. It is, it serves a very specific purpose. And so we're, I feel like there's certain clients that I am, I don't want to say arguing with, but you know, that we have a conversation about, about marketing language versus legal language and how to kind of position this content. So can you talk a little bit about those blog posts and the content funnel that you were mentioning earlier and how that language, how you kind of crafted that language and whether if let's pretend that was for a law firm, how how would you have that conversation about whether it should be, how legal it should be, basically? Exactly. So this resonates really well with me. At Satrix, one of our, our COO is a former attorney, right? He still has his, his bar license. I forget what it's called. Forgive me for my ignorance. Yeah, he's a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, he's a lawyer, right? So yeah. He writes a lot of blogs for us too, but like they, they kind of read, you know, a little- Like a lawyer. Know, Different yeah. than I would write, right? I'm not. I don't want to cast aspersions on him. I'm probably a pretty worse writer than him, honestly. But he writes in great detail. It's expert knowledge, but it's not really consumable. And that's the same thing I kind of ran into with my scorpion sweeper business, right? You got, you got laymen right out there reading this stuff. You, you got uneducated people. So I a long time ago I asked Matt Cutts, who used to run the SEO at Google. He had this little thing you could ask questions and he'd answer them on YouTube. And I was like, what level should I write for on my website? Right? I'm an expert service technician. Lawyers are experts in their service. But I, if I write at this high biological level where I'm talking about like the different, like the thorax and the abdomen and the, the, the different types of chemicals that are in this, this neurotoxin in their venom, I'm going to lose people, right? So he said write for a fifth grader. So short answer, write for a fifth grader, right? You want somebody who's uneducated to be able to understand and comprehend it, but you also want to show your expertise. So that's the tricky part. You have to take your immense knowledge and what you think is simple, dumb that down for somebody who has never even heard of it and doesn't have an idea. And the trickiest part of that is making them not leave your site and Google it somewhere else. Because I can't tell you how many people go somewhere like, I don't know what that word means. And then they're off on Google, they look it up, now they're on some other attorney's site, you know? So you wanna make sure you have like a glossary of terms, or if you're speaking at a higher level than they can understand, make sure you provide them a reference point that you own so they don't leave your, your funnel that you have them in. That makes so much, sorry to jump in, but that makes so much sense. And then I know that, you talk a lot about this engagement. So then if you're kind of talking to them at that sort of 
I don't want to say uneducated, but, you know, at that fifth grade level where they're coming in at, you know, this is their entry point into this conversation. They probably, you know, if we're talking about scorpions, they probably, it's not something they talk about every day. <laughs> so like, it's just, and same thing for a lot of people with their first kind of need for a lawyer. This is not something that people do on a daily basis. So how do you keep them engaged while, like you were saying, you have to also demonstrate your expertise, but how do you do that and keep them engaged without going too high, without going too low? What's the best way of doing that? No, I, I think graphical representations are really, really helpful, right? If you can, if I can explain something to you in an image that I can see all on my phone while I'm scrolling, because let's be honest, most people are probably looking for attorneys on their phone. So you got to make sure your site is made for mobile and it's really scrolly. They don't have a lot of swiping or clicking to do. But I find imagery very compelling because somebody can look at it and be like, oh, that's what they do. Good. I don't have to read a bunch of stuff. Like they're going to tons of sites. They're reading a bunch. They don't want that. Let me digest it as quickly as possible. So I think that helps. And then video, right? If you can, if I can sit here and talk and explain to you about my business, right, that's going to make you trust me. We're going to build a rapport before I even speak to you. And also testimonials, I think, are very, very helpful. If you can get honest testimonial, video testimonials from people who are doing the same specific service that your clients are looking for, they're like, oh, they have the same problem as me. These guys took care of it. These, Let's go. Let's try them out. Let's give them a call. You know, And that's kind of what you want to do. You want to limit that barrier entry for them not to call you or contact you. And you do that by you know, smiling, building rapport through the internet and making it super easy for them to get, understand and setting expectations, right? People get upset when their expectations are not met. And if you can do those things with your website quickly, you'll get conversions. Yeah, we have been recently talking a lot about process with some of our clients and like, this is our process in order to, if you are needing to hire someone like us, this is, these are the steps. Here's a three-step process. Here's how, what you can expect. And I feel like that really reduces the anxiety of the entire transaction so much. It's like, okay, first I need to dial this phone number. <laughs> and then second, this is going to happen. But all of a sudden it's like, okay, it's not as overwhelming as I was thinking That's it was five it minutes ago. Yeah. Especially yeah. I got in a car accident and I had a pretty severe car accident. My car was totaled and I had to go to like the chiropractor and I had a car accident attorney and I went through this whole process and I was very ignorant to it. I had no idea what I was getting into. I didn't know which attorney was right or which wasn't. So I asked one of my marketing agency owner friends and he said, well, these are my clients and this is the best one. So I went with them and I got to tell you, they were great and I, everything turned out all right. But like I was very confused on the process and my biggest frustration was I'd go a couple weeks and not here and I don't know what steps next and all of a sudden I'm talking to somebody different who's an attorney but I was talking to this other attorney now what does that like I was just kind of in this cloud of just I don't know what's going on the beginning was great the end was great you know I got taken care of I'm healthy I got a new car but like in the middle there was a little bit of frustration and it's because I didn't have the expectation I've never been through this process before and a lot of people who own a business do it so frequently they don't understand the nuances like oh I have to get you my birth certificate I can't give you a copy of my birth certificate something as simple as that so as a quick recommendation for your attorneys I would say build a checklist of things that you need from everybody every single time put your logo on it and give it to them in hand and then tell them if you need copies to give your friends, do it. Because that's a little bit of marketing material you can get out into the wild and people will see your logo. Absolutely. And create those processes before you even do this. As you're setting up your firm, you have to have these processes. And then it makes your own 
systems, first of all, it makes you more trustworthy because it's like, okay, we're going to go through, we're going to have a checklist, we're going to make sure we check every box off. But it makes it understandable for the client. And I will add a story. I have been going through a trademarking process and this takes a lot of time. I have not done this before. So I hired this amazing attorney out of Florida because it's a federal thing, so it doesn't matter what state you're in. And she has this amazing process where she has someone in her office that checks in with me every month or so and says, hey, I just want to make sure you don't have any questions. Nothing has changed. I want you to know this takes forever. And, you know, these are the things we've done. There's nothing you need to worry about right now. We're still waiting for X, Y, Z. And I just want to check in and make sure that nothing else has come up. You don't have any questions. You're not worried about anything. I'm just checking in. And it's like, it's probably an automated email. And whether it is or not, it doesn't even matter because it's so nice. Because every so often I'll be like, I wonder what's happening with that thing. Did I forget something? Did I, you know, is it on me or, and it's just reassuring and it's pretty basic. Like it doesn't take that much on her side, but it's so well done that it gives me this great experience. So it fills in kind of that middle part that you were describing where you're like, I don't know what's happening. Am I supposed to do something? Do I need to get you forms? You know, what's what's going on? And it's pretty easy for a firm to fix that. Like that's just a systems problem. But it's that is for sure a marketing action because even though people, you know, want to start with the website and start with things they can do on SEO, your systems and your reputation that is is happening right now with clients that you have in your office, that's an easy place to fix and to improve what's going to happen after they're done working with you. So I'll get down off my soapbox on that for a minute. Well, I love it. I, let me step up there with you because I am all about automation. For my pest control business, I was working. It was it was a side gig always, and I was working you know, 15, 20 hours a week doing it. I was like, man, this this, this I got a full time job. I got kids now. I got a lot going on. So I was like, how can I take this lift off of me? And I discovered Zapier, which is an automation tool. And I automated my whole company with Zapier and Google Suite. So I used Forms and Sheets and Gmail and I was sending out emails and everything and what you're talking about where you got that monthly touch it's a touch point right it's a touch base like it'd be so easy to use a tool like a HubSpot that's what we currently use and I'm a big fan of HubSpot to just build in those workflows where every month they get a touch point you don't even have to do anything they just get it. and guess what if the client's got a problem they're going to email you replying to that email and they think that you went the, the out of your way to do it so I love that I love automating those touch points and you kind of want to look at it from I'm coming from an agency world marketing agencies account management is extremely important you know we have whole departments dedicated to it and people just talk on the phone all day keeping people happy and other industries you know and attorneys may or may not be like this they don't have that account manager I'm often interacting with the attorney and the attorney's so busy and their time is so much more valuable than just saying hey everything's good right so if you can build in that level of account management without having to pay a person to do it it's fantastic yeah. And honestly, I feel like this is as simple as just a recurring email, too. It can just be a check-in. Like I was describing, you can set it up where it's just an automated thing that says, hey, I just want to make sure everything's okay. You know, I'm here. Here's my email. Here's my phone number. If you have any questions, I'm here. And and often, there's no reply. But that, it just brings, it kind of brings this sense of calm and... and Moving, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And it makes you and I, like it better. And you're going to go back because you didn't have like, I would never go back to this company because I was so anxious in the middle of it. Like I'm going to the chiropractor. I'm like, is this going to get covered? Like my back still hurts. You know, a lot of people in a car accident have a lot of other things going on. And if you can ease the, easy, ease the legal worries of theirs, they're going to love you and recommend you to anyone. 
Exactly. Because in the end, in the middle, all anybody's thinking about is what's the end? What's going to happen in the end? What is it? What's what's the money that I'm going to get? What's the, you know, what is this, this end result? And that's all they can think about. And if you just kind of like manage expectations, like you said earlier, I really do believe this is this is a marketing piece that has to just go straight to your reputation and your potential for future business. So it's it's important. Yeah, yeah. Customers come back when they have a good experience, you know, and if you want return customers, you treat them right. And, you know, you ask them if you can fix anything at the end. I think that's a lot of like have like a little exit interview with them, right? Close the loop. How did we do? How did everything go? What recommendations would you give us? You know, I've had that before in my pest control business. And I've, I was like, oh, I didn't even think of that. That's a great idea. I'll absolutely do that. And then I get on my horse and I do it the next week and I implement it. And then that client's happy because they had an idea that you implemented and their success to it. And you write them a thank you saying, hey, I did this. And you're building that personal bond, right? And instead of being a client, you're building a friend and friends are going to use you forever for what you do. Right. Plus, you can tie in a review request there. And then that, you know, that goes into so many other things. First of all, you've got a great testimonial and review. You can throw that on the website. But if you've got that tied into Google and your Google local stuff, that's some great SEO. There's like so many different boxes you're checking with all of that stuff. So make some sort of automated offboarding process is what we call it and have the review process in there. And I really like your idea of asking for, you know, how could we have done better? Do you have any suggestions or, you know, places where we could have improved? I think that's awesome. So it is time for the book review. If uh, you're looking for some inspiration for your reading list, we've got it. We've got an amazing library of book recommendations that all of our past guests have recommended. And so today, Ben, what is the book that you're going to add to the library? Yeah, my book here is Crucial Conversations. I have ADHD and, you know, I struggle with not so much now, but in my career, I was just recently diagnosed because my son also has pretty severe. And I I think tact is something or a bed manner, you know, doctors, bedside manner, uh, interacting with uh, clients. I'm always very good with clients, but sometimes I'm a little short or was a little short with, you know, loved ones, coworkers, friends, right? So Crucial Conversations is a really great book to have difficult conversations, right? I'm not talking about like, how was your day. It's like, man, I I don't think that your son is a good fit for this. Or, you know, like, you know, we need to change this in our relationship for it to succeed or continue. Or, you know, you're doing great at work, but these are some things that you really need to improve on. It's all about how you have those really difficult conversations with people while being emotionally intelligent and having tact. Because it's very easy to, you know, have a doctor's manner where you're just being straight with it, you know, to the point and blunt. And, you know, that's kind of how I am and that's how I resonate. But that doesn't work well for everybody. So you need to know who you're talking to and and how to say things. So the biggest tip I'll say from that book that I have, if you're not going to read it, it's a pretty good read is um, like, here's a really... simple example. So my son has to do the laundry, right? And you got to take the lint out of the the, the dryer every time. He doesn't want to do it. He's got ADD. He's tasks. He hates doing tasks. So what I ask him, you always want to start these things with questions, right? And then you lead them into what you want. I was like, hey, how would you feel if the house burnt down? And my son, Matt, was like, oh, it'd be terrible. Our dogs would be hurt. And I was like, you know what can cause a fire? And then he lists a couple things. I was like, yeah, one other thing that can cause a fire, while rare, but it is possible, is lint in the dryer. Now, I don't want the house to burn down. I know you don't want the house to burn down. But if we don't do this, the likelihood is higher. 
right? And then I had this conversation where I was like, hey, Maddox, you got to clean the drug. I'd be like, no, and then he'd run off, right? But I, I turned it into a point where it connected to him. It gave him a reason to do it, and I helped him walk himself into the answer. And that's what the book's about. It's, it's kind of like Seven Habits of the Highly Effective People, right? How to have those conversations. Yeah, uh, well, it like sounds more practice. interesting because I love this idea of walking them through. One of my C- CEOs back when I was doing corporate marketing used to kind of ha- have these conversations a lot, like walk them through making that decision on their own. It's like, well, I don't have time for that. You know, <laughs> I felt like there was so many situations where I'm like, oh, it's so much easier just to be direct. Like, I need you to do X. But when I would take the extra time to do what you're describing and kind of walk them through the making that process decision on their own instead of just kind of forcing it from, it's sort of like, when you have those micromanagers and they just kind of force you to do something and you meet immediate resistance. And so like the the first answer in everyone's head is like, no, I just don't want to do that. So you're starting with a much more welcoming process. Like we had this guest on early, about almost a year ago, and she talked about the sales process and using the phrase, are you open to? And so, you know, starting these conversations where you begin in their mind with having them open open themselves to whatever this topic is. And I love that. It's kind of similar in a different way to what I you're talking too, about. Right? You kind of, you're easing the barrier of entry into the end result you want, right? So I love it when they make it them, their own, right? If they make the decision, it's something that they're going to own, they're going to try harder to, and you have a better end result that way. Exactly. Versus if you start with the resistance, then they slowly are like, ah, okay, fine. You know, and it's just a whole different kind of experience for both both sides. So, Ben, what's one big takeaway that you'd like people to get from this episode? You know, marketing isn't a, you know, end all be all and it's not the same for everybody. So you got to figure out what works for you. If you're in a specific niche, if you're in a specific area or I live in an area with a lot of older people, right? I'll probably do some direct mail. I'm probably going to do less web, right? If I'm doing car accidents, you know, I might want to, everybody has car accidents. So I might want to be a bit broader with my reach, like a billboard. You see a lot of car accident billboards. Those are so expensive and you can't really measure the return. But, you know, you just, you want to figure out what works for you and then stick to it, and then grow it slowly. Dabble your toe in, make sure it works, you hit a plateau, and then just stay at that plateau. And once you've got a few things going at a good level, and they're kind of autopiloting, you add one on, and you add one on. It's not going to happen overnight, and it's easy to spend way too much money really quickly. So hire somebody who knows what they're doing, make sure you're engaged with them, and you know just make sure you're counting the results, right? Because a lot of marketing companies, a lot of companies say they'll do things and they do a lot of really, really good stuff, but it doesn't matter if they don't make you money. So you got to find out what makes you money and then stick with it. Yes, I think that's, those are all such good points. In addition to all the, we had a lot of really small little quick improvement ideas that I feel like was were super valuable. I'm not going to recap all of them because, you know, we <laughs> then we would double the length of the show. Obviously, nobody wants to hear that. But take notes. Make sure that you are checking all those things. And I just, the only one I want to recap is to start with those audits and make sure that you're starting from a healthy place, that there aren't any like big things you need to fix before before you even get started. So awesome. Ben Holland is the VP of Marketing at Satrix. <laughs> I, I pause before I pronounce that one. Satisfaction Metrics. Satrix Satisfaction Salute. Metrics. I feel like that's really important. Not just metrics, but make sure that it's showing results and it's showing the right results and that you're 
kind of tapping into what is satisfying for those users and visitors and potential clients. So that's some good, that's some good stuff there too. Awesome. We will link to your, all your good stuff, your website, your social media, but also the book that you recommended and everything else on the show notes. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.